Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Feed for Service Dentist Podcast. My good friend, Dr. Tom Reed, is going to share with us where does hygiene fit in and what are the numbers like when you're out of network? How important is that? And he dropped 1.5 hygiene. In other words, he went from 3.5 full-time hygiene to two and his number really doesn't reflect it. You're going to see, he's going to explain it because he dove into his own numbers and it's very enlightening. Now, if you have a chance to watch this, he's got some slides that we'll be using. We use the share screen again. Thanks, Ben, for getting me off the shtie trying that. And we'll see if uh, if we do a pretty good job, at least of verbalizing it, if you don't watch the show. Again, our episode and our podcast is sponsored by Kettenbach, Kettenbach Dental. They have a brand new product. It's a light cure nano hybrid composite. It's called Vesalis Fill and Vesalis Flow. It's highly filled, over 80%. And it's very high polishability. So it's a aesthetic restoration with high durability and strength. So it's a great posterior restoration. So it works in the anterior and the posterior. Low shrinkage and has long-term marginal integrity, which resists staining. Flex shades from A1 to A4, including a bleach and an opaque shade. So please check them out and try out this product. Kettenbach has a rep in your area. Reach out to them at 877-532-2123. Or if you want to go online, kettenbach-dental.us. If you like the episode, please click share with your friends, like it, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, please tell me about it. I appreciate all of you. Hope that we are providing a good, valuable service for all of you. Have a great day, everybody. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spear. And we have an old friend with us, Dr. Tom Reed, who we recorded a podcast with Tom. He told us about his journey into fee-for-service. He's in the Denver area, and he consults with practices, runs a very successful practice, and has, a, I think, a couple of places. He has a flagship mm -hmm. office as well as a couple others, I believe. So 
Let's welcome Tom. How are we doing today, man? Not too bad. It's a beautiful uh, Memorial Day Monday. Uh, yeah. In Colorado, it's hard to stay inside most days, but when it gets nice out, uh, we just live outdoors. And so had a really enjoyable day so far and looking forward to finishing up strong. But this was just an awesome opportunity to to rejoin the the podcast. I feel like uh, kind of... Okay. Bullied, bullied my way back in, but I, I feel like what we want to talk about today is critical. Oh, I don't think you bullied at all. I think the one thing I will say, if you guys have the ability, you 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 all listening, please try to watch this on video. Not because you want to see my ugly mug, but we're going to put some um, slides up that are going to talk about. I want you to just introduce the concept of what we're going to talk about and where this came from, because I think the genesis of this is really cool. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, it came about mostly because of, well, several reasons. One, it was uh, it was born out of the, uh, the basis of why at my practice we elected to um, migrate away from all the insurance contracts over the last number of years and literally left Delta Dental at the end of 2022. And it was born out of the fact that we were just really seeing drastic uh, reductions in revenue, uh, net revenue, I should say, uh, out of the hygiene department. And we were just working so hard for so little. And it just irritated me almost to a point where I was like, we got to do something about this. So that it that's part of it. The other part of it was in the past week, I had a, a private client. I was working with their hygiene department as they are migrating away from insurance contracts. And the uh, owner dentist and her spouse were having a hard time really connecting with the hygiene team on the why. And so uh, I came back in with a uh, presentation to show them just how it's feasible to really work so much smarter and uh, not be so stressed out and running around as we know with a chicken, like a chicken with your head cut off. So it was twofold. So let, let's hit on the why. What was the why? What, what, what was it? What were they struggling with, with the why with their hygiene team? The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, Visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Well, most of it is financial. Uh, you know, I looked at their, when I they hired me last fall, and we started piecing through all the financials. And we noticed that, uh, you know, first of all, uh, the doctor was producing the lion's share of the revenue. And we weren't even close to a 70-30 a split or, a you know, a 75 25 split uh it was more like 80 20 or 85 15 and i kept saying to her i'm like you keep telling me your hygiene department's really full and busy you don't have enough time to get to exams yet the revenue does not reflect that kind of effort so we got to figure out what's going on here and in the midst of all of that we began our our journey of eliminating insurance contracts for them so um, the, recently, I wanted to um, really deep, dig deep into their numbers to see where we could make some improvements. They have three full-time equivalents, and basically, we're writing off, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty-plus percent of their hygiene revenue coming through the door. And they were seeing a pretty high attrition rate, despite a monstrous new patient number. So they weren't really growing the hygiene department yet. 
this doctor was burnt out. Uh, so that's sort of where we started. Um, so so 50% of their hygiene revenue went to write-offs. Yes. So can you give, can you give me like, give me an example, like, for example, hygiene comes in, let's do a profi exam and four bite wings. Let's say the average, the average fee for that procedure is $200. That's reasonable. And they're knocked down now to 100. Yes. What are they paying the hygienist hourly ballpark? Their base rate was about 50 bucks. 50. So by the time you add everything else in, they're at 60, 65 just for just for labor. Mm-hmm. And now you've got the, the lights, the electric, and everything else. They're they're I would would you say they're breaking even or not? Well, I mean, if you use general principles of fixed variable plus uh non-doctor payroll, mm-hmm. uh yeah, they're not breaking even. They're not breaking uh, they're even. Com- they're coming in upside down in that right. department. Uh, you know, you're almost better off paying those patients not to come to yeah. you and make room for your uh, fee for service folks or your membership plan patients. Or okay, you know, well, that's or, that's concrete. Okay, let's yeah. let's keep going. Let's keep going with this. Then, so they have three full time equivalents mm-hmm. of hygiene, which in let's say it's a million dollar practice, they're bringing in one hundred fifty thousand dollars in revenue. Yeah, if, that if was all right. Approximately, yeah, right. Yes, okay. yes. All right, so let so let's go. So the first thing you said that you did, you dug into your numbers, or you dug into yeah. their numbers. Well, we, we were we were already going through their their practice, and we audited it, you know, several months prior. So because of that audit, the net result, and and seeing their data, it was time to to ramp up coach the team and get them in that preparedness uh, mode for uh, migration away from insurance contracts. So uh, it started off by coaching their front team, but this was a separate visit with the hygiene department where we really needed to to rein it in. So um, I wanted a, a backdrop or a support mechanism for for discussion purposes with them. So I analyzed my own progress from 2021 through present just to see what has happened since we've migrated away from our two largest uh, carriers, which was MetLife and Delta Dental in 2021 and 2022, respectively. And it was pretty eye-opening to me personally on our own, uh, my own flagship practice, because, uh, you know, we thought we had a pretty robust and healthy hygiene department, which I think I do, but uh, the data was just... uh, astonishing i should say um so you know so before we went... before we dive into the data is there anything else you want to start with you want to start with some some, some philosophical KPIs stuff or, or just kpi stuff yeah sure i mean you know i mean i think the ideal we got to realize that the practice um of, of dentistry really a healthy dental practice is at least a gp uh, basis revolves around a robust hygiene department you know we're yeah, all i'm gonna well. i'm gonna try to share the screen here folks because tom, tom has put together a very nice um powerpoint i'm gonna try to share the screen here we've done this once before this will be our second time so i'm just gonna ask for your forgiveness before i start <laughs> okay so the Doc Sites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service. 
starting at only $59 a month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off your website setup, text fee for service to 818-489-9823. 818-489-9823. This is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings and visit DocSites for more information. So let's go to... Um, you want to start with this? Yeah. So, I mean, I think basically, well, that Desert Hills Dental was, is their practice. That, that okay. was the practice I was working on. So DHD. Um, All right. So we, we want to start on what we can, can yeah, what, let's go to what can be done. I think that would be good. So okay. they were just struggling with ways to improve. So I just came up with this slide to say, you know, what do we need to do in order to improve our performance and hygiene. And we talked about block scheduling, literally setting the the platform or the parameters for the future. It's kind of hard to do when you've been playing Tetris for so long in in, in your schedule. But uh, we went out of ways and started blocking out perio holds, new patient holds, uh, and then stuck with some very specific places where uh, profies and perio maintenance and pedos could be placed uh, properly. And also in order to eliminate some of the, uh, what they were dealing with was not paying enough attention to how many contracted uh, profies they were putting on the schedule each day. And they were stacking in a lot of PPO, um, heavily subsidized or reduced uh, fee uh, visits. And so they weren't making goals very easily. So I, that, well, that was... Is part of their plan, though, trajectory to drop the insurances? It is, but we're having to dole it out a little bit more uh, methodically because they're in a pretty heavy-duty metro market, and, okay. and the competition's a little steep. And and so to not see you know people running for the hills, we've elected to be a little more systematic in our approach. So we've been going after the low hanging fruit first and then working our way up to the big dogs. And that's okay. So just, just going to review this for a second. So block scheduling, if you're not familiar with that, what that is, is that's taking, let's say every Wednesday from one to two, and we're putting a block in there. Do not book unless it's new patient or perio. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. So right. then the next thing you looked at, you looked at daily goals, and this one happens to be $1,500 per hygiene, per full-time mm-hmm. hygiene. So no. also we hit on minimize the number of subsidized plans a lot. How are you, how are you accomplishing that? Well, it, it really, what we discovered is that the hygiene team wasn't schooled or, or at least had a breadth of knowledge about how to look through their practice management system to really understand the, you know, where these patients are, like looking at their contracts and making sure that they, they do little insurance review before they reschedule patients and paying more attention to where they're placing appointments. Okay. So that's an overall schedule. So at the, mm-hmm. at each day, your front desk or your that your business administration people or your hygiene people who are doing the scheduling will see, okay, we already have three insurance X patients on this day. This person needs to go to another day though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so that's going to open some holes. 
It will open some holes for them. It harkens back a little bit to what we discussed last time on our call, a little bit about capitation and, right. and you know, and how we would manage around that years ago. It's not complicated. It just takes some effort. Uh, it takes some discipline. To, but discipline, yes. Yeah. Um, we also talked a lot about um, being a lot more um, diligent with uh, defining an ideal schedule. Like, what does a day look like? You know, and how many, like how many perial patients or how many quads of root planning and scaling can someone possibly handle in a day? How many, how effective can they be on a new patient and then multiply that out by X number of times in a day to make sure they're delivering a wow experience? Uh, and they were sort of stacking things in a little bit too much and okay. therefore running behind a lot. So, uh, and then, and then you have noted. Make the treatment as affordable as possible with the broader FA. Is that financing menu? Financial arrangements menu. They had no options for financial arrangements out of just basically pay as you go or, um, you know, nothing okay. even more sophisticated than, uh, I mean, they don't, they didn't, weren't you really using care credit or lending point or proceed or some of our other big options for third party financing? We've worked on a internal. They have enough liquidity in their in their business to be comfortable with, you know, maybe doing a little bit more uh, internal financing and maybe setting up some flexibility there. So, so let's go into talk- that that ideal what? hygiene schedule because that's the next one that's up. If you're if you're following along or you're watching this, we'll be seeing the slides. But as we're going to try to describe it a little bit, so the ideal hygiene schedule. Mm-hmm. Once you get on that, yeah, I think for them they wanted to make sure to be pre-blocked, like we said earlier, to allow for a proper ratio of periodic and maintenance. So periodic oral exams and evals, so profits basically, new patients, and then the actual active perio. And uh, and try to unstack uh, the, the day. Uh, they were really pretty heavily um, canted toward stuffing in patients basically where they want the patient wanted to be as opposed to paying more attention to the financial elements so you know scheduling appropriately for a dollar amount as well as a workflow and you know this doctor was solo until the beginning of this year and she was you know she was running pretty white hot in terms of number of examinations to get to to still also then turn around and get back to the chair in order to properly uh, manage and service the restorative care needs. Okay. And I don't know how they did it. When I looked at their schedule, it looked like Tetris to me. And I'm like, I'm not sure how we're going to, how you can follow this thing. Uh, okay. So, well, and then next. coordinate it with operative, like I said, for continuity. Yep. And then, you know, we also want to make sure we're also delivering on what patients are after. They want to be note felt like they're significant. They're, they're not just a number in the practice that we respect their time. We educate them without going through the lecture series. Uh, we provide a warm and caring environment and it's a good deal. Uh, it feels like it's of value for them to come in. So, and your next, your next one is teeth do not walk into the office. People do. Right. And we all know and love LD Panky and one of our favorite uh, heroes of dentistry. You know, it's funny. So, That's the one thing I had with the dental school experience. They get these the loops on so quickly on these young dental students. I think it's the first week they're fitted and they wear loops for everything. And that just really magnifies the tooth 
and continues to minimize the person attached to it. So I I, I kind of, that was my line in the sand a little bit. And, and I remember my son was in school and he did that. He And then, and then for a period of time, he had his, his loop stolen or misplaced or whatever. So he was missing them for almost six months. <laughs> he did better on his dentistry. He did better on his clinical checkups. And and I think he started, and this was by accident, mind you. He started to 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 then have different conversations, and I said, "Well, you're starting to you're starting to realize that it's attached to a human being, and that's the most important aspect. I know you got to focus on, you know, the parallel walls and the proper beveling, et cetera, et cetera. However, you know, your perspective's a little better. So anyway, that was that was a neat point. That's yeah, beautiful. I mean, I as I've gone into close to year 30 of private practice, mm -hmm. I've realized just how dependent I am on loops, you know, and I, I leave after a long clinical day and I get home and my eyes haven't adjusted yet. And I'm look, still looking for loops just to like read my email or, uh, you know, or, or, uh, look at something really basic with, uh, something the family might need me to help with at home or read some directions. I'm like, geez, I can't read this. I need my loops. It's really kind of unfortunate, but, um, I, I, I can't imagine practicing without them from a mechanical standpoint, but I love that, you know, taking them off, take a step back and look at what you're really working with. And, you know, we're in the business of trust. So that's, that's a huge factor. Right. So let's, let's go into the, what are some of the, uh, um, some of the KB hygiene. Yeah. You know, I think some of the key points you want to make sure that your hygiene department is, is working hard on at all times are the reappointment rate. How, uh, how many people are leaving the practice with their next hygiene appointment? Uh, the next one is the pre-appointment rate, which could fa in fact be even more important, which is telling you how many people in your active patient base actually have a scheduled appointment for hygiene and or restorative, but particularly hygiene, you want to make sure that that's hitting at a nice place so that you're, you're retaining folks and they're not walking out the door or at least disappearing for, for a lengthy period of time. Uh, this one might be a little bit more manual at times, but you always want to check uh, on the ratio of number of filled to available appointment time blocks uh, in any given month. That can be You'll see here, it's a leading KPI to see how the month is potentially going to shape up, but it also can be a lagging KPI to review how the the month went uh, when the days, when the month is over. Gives you a little uh, you bit know, of capacity. If those yes, two aren't 100%, you have no capacity if you're at 100%. Yeah, we like to see uh, like 92% or better, you know, somewhere north of 90% uh, filled versus mm -hmm. available. I think that's a good good ratio. Give yourself a 10% buffer for some same-day uh, care uh, mm -hmm. in the hygiene department. You know, when is the next available new patient block? If someone is going to be waiting weeks to come see you guys for a new patient experience, chances are pretty good they'll make the appointment, but they may not show up because uh, the American consumer today is – is, is a little bit antsier than they might have been in the past. And so it's such a polite way to put it. <laughs> they want immediate satisfaction. They are Nintendo, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. So, you know, how are you, how are your monthly membership fees stacking up? Like what's your, 
typical take or mm-hmm. uh, on the monthly uh, membership fees, whether you're collecting monthly or annually. Uh, I think there's a lot of philosophy on 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 that like continuity of care piece that comes with a monthly membership fee that just renews automatically. But, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to also book that revenue right up front and get it ahead of time and realize that it represents future hygiene uh, appointments. And those people tend to show up, you know, once they've paid for those services. So it's a, it's a good, good thing. Uh, fluoride utilization rate is another good one because it really does not uh, pertain only to young patients and or carries prone patients anymore that we assume are young because of of susceptibility as well as uh, you know uh, what they consume our elderly populations and so many of our patients are on just on devastatingly large medication lists uh this is a this is a huge adjunct to the hygiene department as far as a form of revenue um I like to always emphasize Google reviews or, or a review system because uh, it really represents how we're doing. It's what people say about us when they're not in, right in front of us. And it's uh, really important to see those uh, those come in, particularly in like paragraph format or what, what are called love letters. Uh, those are those are very, very powerful uh, for the growth of the practice. And I think you got to look at your restorative case acceptance. You know, you should be working pretty strongly uh, on case acceptance out of the hygiene department because a lot of those people are already pretty well established. So the trust piece is already there. Okay, so those are some important ones. Now, what are some of the things that uh, we talk about lagging hygiene KPIs? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, some of these carry over and go both directions because I think it helps to see both into the future as well as what is already performed. But you know, to hit on some of the different ones, the no-show and cancellation rates, of course, are big going one. to be a, a big be a big one for us. What is our perio diagnostic uh, percentage as well as the acceptance percentage? Are we are uh-huh. we hitting a, a pretty good number there? <clears throat> What's the attrition rate look like? Which is your number of new people? divided by reestablished patients minus lost patients. Um, oh, excuse me, number of new and reestablished patients minus lost patients. Sorry, that was my, sure. my mistake there. Um, you know, what are, yeah. what are our net production write-offs. collection adjustments and write-offs looking like? Yeah. And hygiene, hygiene case acceptance as well. Okay. So what we kind of expect of ourselves, you hit on this, and well, that's our next piece, so. Yeah, I mean, I think always you have to stop and look in the mirror and say, well, we're we're in command of this project. So what do, what do we want out of this? What would we want if we were a consumer of our business? Uh, it's always a great way to kind of flip the script and say, okay, go sit in the chair and pretend like you are a patient. And what would you expect? And so I think you should always be going above and beyond the standard of care. We just, I think goes without saying we educate our patients on the op- value of optimal oral health. The value of optimal oral health. Let that sink in for a second. The value of optimal oral health. Mm-hmm. It's important. I think there's going to be a number of people who can't articulate that. That's going to take some practice. Yeah, there's there's some truth to that. I don't think it necessarily rolls off smoothly when you first yeah. say it, but uh, but it's definitely an important and intrinsic 
component to a healthy practice. Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I like platinum rules, like do unto others as you expect to have done to yourself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being thorough, uh, you know, neatness counts, I think, in our profession in a big way. Uh, p- patients see that. So if the rooms are sloppy and messy, you know, they're going to notice that. And they're going to think yep. that maybe the quality of work and craftsmanship is a little off. Um, I think you just have to get this pounded into your head. You need to run on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a must because it's the number one complaint people will lodge when they've left a practice and looked looking for a new home uh, is because they were always made to wait. And, okay. Uh, there, just make it a rewarding experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, when you're really knee deep in PPO contracts, you almost have to ask yourself, is it worth, worth it to even pro- provide hygiene services at all? Because so many of them are upside down. Okay. So let's talk about some of the other things that, that, May people may or may not have a grasp of, and I think this is some great information to have on the tip of your tongue. You know, mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking to a patient, let's say it's a patient you've seen in hygiene, and you've had them in a profi program, and now you're paying more attention to your perio, your pocketing, your PSR scores. Now you're doing full mouth probing. And and the reality of it is 60% of the U.S. adult population has a perio problem. That's a fact. You should be able to spit that off of your tongue. Mm-hmm. So you want to roll with these? Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it goes without saying, too, that the majority of, and almost super majority at times, of the actual restorative care a practice provides is going to come out of the hygiene department because... Again, you've established a rapport and relationship with these folks. New people we're always seeking, of course, because yeah. new folks coming through the door is just a healthy turnover and, mm-hmm. you know, weed the garden to till the soil kind of approach. But uh, yeah, that number, though, that number for those who are not seeing this is 70% of all restorative care comes out of hygiene department. It's a big, it's a big tamale. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty, pretty well known that only about half the U.S. adult population visits the dentist one time annually. And mm-hmm. it's, it's probably even gone down a, a bit since COVID because of the scare that that took upon our profession and society as a whole. Many of you are probably like us. We're starting to see folks rolling back in after a four year hiatus from mm-hmm. the, uh, from the dental chair and many of them are not in such good shape, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a big uptick and upswing in perio as well as tooth decay and uh, just basic bread and butter <clears throat> concerns. Uh, I was uh, on the American Academy of Prosthodontics website and it mentioned 178 million Americans are missing one or more teeth, mm-hmm. which took a bit to sink into me. And I, think that could be skewed potentially a little bit with pediatrics i guess you know and mixed dentition i don't they didn't really quantify adult versus uh mm-hmm. mixed versus pedo but it's still a healthy number regardless um and we well, all i think the number of people edentulists the let alone is a huge number in the united states as well so mm-hmm. i wouldn't doubt that and then five million dental implants are placed annually in the united states so and that number has skyrocketed because of the <clears throat> advent of the super generalist and and it's a great thing but we're still got to pay attention these things aren't going to be bulletproof 
if we don't take care of the periodontal health. All right. So our, let's go to, let's, let's say our next slide is going to talk about basic goals and then that three times hourly rate. So in this scenario where the hygienist is, is a $50 an hour um, uh, employee, their, their hourly rate, you want them to look like it's $150 an hour, right? Minimum. Sure. That's three X. So if you're doing, you know, an eight hour day, that's your 10 hour day. That's your 1500 An eight hour day. Now you're at that 1200 range. Mm -hmm. And those are just basic stats. I don't think they're sure. ironclad. It's just a, it's just sort of a barometer uh, at this point in time to, to seek. Um, if we start setting our, our uh, thresholds for hourly rates, Mm -hmm. higher and higher and higher we're going to have to find a way to make right. this work for us so yeah because as, as hygiene as hygiene pay increases because of whatever the reason it's got to show up somewhere mm -hmm. you know uh like i said a few minutes ago we should be seeking at least a 92 percent filled appointment rate so uh that's yeah. just to number of filled versus available should be in that ratio of 0.92 um an 85 plus percent reappointment rate is a pretty good number. You start getting into the mid nineties and up and that number starts to have diminishing or that stat has diminishing uh, benefit because you'll start to see an increased no-show rate. Is, is so, in a, so in a 92%, just to give you some real, like some real estimates, if you have, let's say you work seven hours one day, eight hours the next day. So of 15 hours, it's approximately one of those hours is unfilled. That's going to be at your ninety-two percent, right in that vicinity. Most okay. of us are not probably there because what happens is you get the last-minute no-shows and cancellations. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's killing us right quite now. A bit. It's killing us right now too. Killing us. All right. So, and then thirty percent is is devoted to perio code. So again, mm -hmm. that's getting closer, even though we know that sixty percent of adults. So. You yeah. Know. And then, you know, you want your hygiene department to be about a third of your total practice production, too. I think that's a healthy number in a super GP practice that may decline a little bit because of the skewed nature of the fee profiles mm -hmm. between the services being provided in the, in, right. in the restorative versus hygiene department. But a third is a good, healthy uh, ratio. Uh, 80 to 85 percent try to get them confirmed electronically i mean people just don't want phone calls or postcards in the mail or or old-fashioned methods of communication anymore for the most part so you'll still have your 15 percent or so that will respond more favorably to analog methods but uh this will help increase your uh fill rate as well as um uh productivity rate as well you know in addition Okay. And if you can get that pre-appointment percentage up to 60% or better, you'll be in good shape. Uh, we, yeah, we can skip that next one and go on to the next key consider. I mean, uh, we can skip the downtime protocols. This was specific, I think. I mean, it, that could be a whole different topic in itself. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think we're in the business of trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real big factor in your hygiene team is probably charged with the uh, task of maintaining that the most because they, they've they built relationships. People, people think of going to the dentist more about to go see the hygienist than any other experience uh, 
time and time again. So you want a rock star hygiene department that is really showcasing the 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 uniqueness or the brand quality of your practice and so it's not difficult to do it just has to be attended to and and continually make sure that the experience is going first rate okay let's keep so, it moving let's keep moving yeah going the right way yeah going the wrong way here we go Okay, the membership plan, we've talked about that. Let's keep going past that. Co-diagnosis. It kind of goes without saying. That's one of the main charge orders of your uh, hygiene department is to set the docs up for success. So co-diagnostic skills and getting equilibrated or, or on the same page uh, as far as your um, your treatment planning philosophies and, and therefore will look seamless to a patient and therefore your case acceptance will go up. We talked about block scheduling already. I think that kind of goes without saying, I mean, how to get to three times the hourly rate, you have to probably get yourself uncoupled or un, unattached to PPO contracts to start with in order to, to get to these uh, reimbursement rates to begin with. But, um, you know, if you're not quite there yet, it's going to be difficult, I think, to achieve those goals in this day and age, given where we've gone uh, in the hygiene salary department, for one, and the deflationary rates of um, reimbursement. So let's talk about assisted hygiene, because you haven't you haven't touched on it yet, but I know that's mm -hmm. uh, that's a consideration. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a big uh, deal. It's a big deal in my uh, organization, and again, we're fee for service. And I think what we've discovered uh, through experience and feedback from our patient population is that if, if it's done well, it's almost a, as rewarding of an experience as, as any other format. Uh, and so in our practice, we have currently I have two full-time hygienists and an assistant and the assisted uh, format is run on Tuesdays and Thursdays and every other Friday. Uh, and so it's two and a half days a week out of five. And what we've discovered in, in summary is that patients cannot and must not feel rushed. This, right. Otherwise, you're back to the PPO mill. And it, it almost is worse because then the patients will complain even more about not seeing the hygienist. Yeah. Uh, you got to have time to review any unscheduled treatment in the patient's uh, chart and have that relational element uh, go full swing like you said take off the loops step back and have a have a conversation with the patient and i think your quality of care has to be matched as and almost unmatched to any previous experience okay now we're going to get into the meat now this is 2021 right. let's talk about what you discovered as you as you went into this now right yes yeah uh, you know uh, in earnest we had already pretty much eliminated all of our, or had migrated away from all the contracts uh, by the end of 2020, 2020 uh, except for uh, MetLife and Delta Dental. And MetLife was our project for 2021, and Delta Dental was our project for 2022. Uh, and so in 2021, at my main practice, uh, what I did is I just took uh, equivalent periods of time, so I had equal comparison uh, experience with the data. And so I just did the first four months of the year since I was, we were at the end of April when I was doing this 
program and putting it together for my clients. Um, and so I just did the comparison in my own practice, just almost for grins. You know, I just kind of wanted to see. I had in the back of my mind where we were at, but I didn't have anything concrete. So back then, we had um, we had earned $52,000 in membership fees by the end of April. We had grossed $343,000 in hygiene. And so we had the netted. first third of the year, just so people mm -hmm. don't see it. Yeah, okay. Sorry, it's first four okay. months of the year. Right. Uh, we had netted netted $184,000 uh, of hygiene revenue. So we adjusted off or wrote off, I should say, to be specific, $67,000 of, uh, oh, excuse me, we wrote off $91,000 and almost $92,000 to insurance write-offs. And we had $67,000 in adjustments. Those adjustments are specific to hygiene visits on our membership program. Uh, that were that had occurred in that first uh, four months of the year. So, so, so you're you're 184,000. That's your net. So, so you're yeah, your net. 343 now goes to 236 because you took the write offs out, right? Basically, yes. Um, yeah, so 343 comes down to 236. Well, yes, because here's what I like to do, and I, and you know, I may not be, uh, spot on with this, but I like to consider the membership revenue that's generated in any given period of time that we're analyzing as hygiene revenue, because okay. those membership fees in my practice represent future hygiene right. visits. And even though it's booked out in the future, it's accrued then, right. um, but we're writing that we'll be writing off a hundred percent of those services up okay. then. So, so, so you're that's how I came to 236 i added 184 to 52 right that was to your net oh, oh i i would think that if you take 343 and you add in the 52 now you're at you know 390 sure and then, and then you adjust off and, and write off the others like yeah 150 that's how you that's how you end up at 236 you get there the same way yes okay and so well, that, that makes that, sense yep. yeah so the 236 that we of revenue we generated for the practice in in the hygiene department was spread out over three and a half full-time equivalent hygienists. So we had three full-time and one part-time back then. And so that amounted to about $16,860 uh, average production per month per hygien hygienist. Or so just, just, to, just to give people some facts here, right? So on a 400, approximately Four hundred thousand dollars over four months as gross. We'll count the three forty-three mm -hmm. and the fifty-two. That's your gross. That's about a hundred thousand dollars a month. When your adjustments and your write-offs subtract one hundred and fifty, mm -hmm. so it's like subtracting forty grand a month. Mm -hmm. So you're at sixty thousand a month. So you've lost forty percent of your revenue is written yep. off to insurance. Yes. That's again, that's not a big tomato. That's a big tostito and a big taco. <laughs> it's probably a nacho plate that's just yeah. stacked with that's every a lot. there's a lot that's of ingredients real. on there. It's and it's real. Yeah. And so just recall that we were out of network or un uncoupled from all contracts except MetLife and Delta okay. through the through 2021. So, so let's the next go slide to, will let's be go 2022. Okay. And so we actually for the same four first four months of the year, we actually declined by two thousand dollars in membership fee right. generation. We grossed about the same, about the same, yeah, three forty three to three forty. Yep. So, uh -huh. real numbers, folks. If you're just listening, 
Membership from 2021 was 52. Membership in 2022 is 50. The gross went from 343 down to 340. The net went from 184 to 177. So kind of linear. Mm-hmm. The adjustments and the write-offs, though, a little bit less. They are, but, but not the adjustments are The adjustments, yeah, the adjustments are, higher. are higher. The write-offs are less, but not much. Probably what I think that's attributable to, to be honest with you, is we started doing a lot more monthly uh, yeah. collections of of our of our membership fees, and so that's why you see the membership rates down just slightly. But it's it's almost negligible. So that's again, take back to twenty twenty one now. The gross, the adjusted gross revenue of two thirty six is now two twenty seven. So that's mm-hmm. almost minimal, right? It is, but we were down average, to three. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, we go ahead. Okay. okay, so we went from three and a half to three full time equivalent hygienists from okay, 2021 so, to 2022. So we're losing a half a hygienist time, right? And the net per hour went from 16.8, again, we'll call that 17, went to 18.9, mm-hmm. we'll call that 19. So a not a huge jump. Increase. Not well, 2000. 2016 is it's decent. You know, it's 10-15%. It is decent. And just recall that we were we were only attached to Delta Dental at that point. So and you so dropped one. A, it's clear reflection that Delta represents and represented the lion's share of our PPO contracted population. So 2023. And here we are through the first four months of this year. Uh our membership. Uh, collection rates went up to sixty-five thousand. Okay. We grossed we grossed two hundred and forty thousand dollars in hygiene in the hygiene department, and we netted one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars of hygiene revenue. Our adjustments went up to ninety-four thousand dollars, but our write-offs went to one thousand and forty-five dollars. So, what so, look how write-offs went to zero? Basically, so, went to zero because we're out with everything. So our net. Uh, adjusted gross revenue is $210,255, and that's with two hygienists. Okay, and, so let's uh, go back to 2021. 236 adjusted gross revenue with three and a half full time hygienists. Now you drop, uh, well, it's almost 50%, but you drop 40% from 3.5 down to two, and that 236 now looks like 210. Mm-hmm. But just remember, that's two two full time hygiene providers. Well, I understand and, that. I'm saying that and an assistant. That's not a linear change. No, right. If and I expected lost, a revenue to decline because yeah, if, of losing the contracts. Yeah, if you but if you lost, you know, if you lost forty percent of your production capacity, right, by losing mm-hmm. a, a hygienist and a half. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a 40% drop. You had, you know, from 236 to 210, you lost 10% maybe. That's right. So you, you right. dropped 40% of producers and you lost 10%. So what you're doing is you're working smarter, not harder. That's right. Because now those those two folks generated roughly $26,281 each per month in the first four months of this year. Awesome. Which was astonishing to me. It was just like, wow, this is pretty amazing. It's kind of an eye opener. Um, now, hygiene you, is really a profit tri- center. What do you attribute it to? I mean, if, if I will take the slide away and I said to you, okay, Tom, 
back against the wall. I'm a pushy doctor. I'm in your face. I've got you on your heels. All right. So what happened? What would you say? Well, I mean, I think you have to realize that we we spent. Well, I learned finally the the proper way to handle reducing insurance dependency by having as much face to face interaction with patients as possible, and we took the took our time and addressed this issue with almost every active patient in the MetLife community as well as uh, Delta Dental. And uh, we we expected the attrition. We saw the attrition. Uh, it's been it's been pretty robust at times uh, of late, um, especially with Delta, because as we all know, they tend to assign the benefit to the patient, or they um, don't even provide out of network benefits, and so they're, they're all over the map when it comes to to how they handle. Uh, out of network visits but so, so uh, what, what what does that number look like now do you have an, do you have a grasp on that like how many people that you've gone out of network the two big ones for you were metlife and delta do you have any idea what your attrition was how many you lost it, it, it's close to probably 25 percent of our total oh, patient population 25 percent. so you lost one out of four patients mm-hmm. that were in those yeah. plans but those three out of four are now paying 40 percent higher yes and a good number of them actually have converted to our membership plan uh, in the process of of switching. Uh, or they do drop their insurance. Mm-hmm. Or you know they may have been on a either an individual plan or maybe they have a Medicare supplement plan or uh-huh. they're at a point of open enrollment and it just the timing worked out. But that we did see a pretty big uptick in membership. Uh, right, because you saw the numbers. The numbers went from mm-hmm. 52 in 2021 to 60. 65, uh, yeah. yeah. 65. So again, that's, that's a, a you know, that's a 15, so that. 50, that's a 30% growth rate. And so I think what also we're finding, we are discovering our floor in, in terms of our minimum, uh, an, an attrition, as well as, uh, you know, the effect of of leaving these these contracts. And it is a bit of a dark tunnel and it does, you know, certainly scare quite a few folks and therefore to the point at times where they just are paralyzed and don't want to do anything except remain with the contracts to keep the the numbers up. We have holes in our schedule, but we're making goal uh, with, you know, a a schedule with more than um, 8% opening at times. Uh, It's, it's also, um, allows for a lot of same day uh, care. And I think um, that is one of the hallmarks to a successful transition. (laughs) It is exhausting uh, for sure. So let me ask you now about your hygienists. How do those hygienists, I'm assuming those hygienists, those two, which are full-time were part of your 3.5 that were full-time. Yes. How do they feel about how they're working now? Are they working harder? Are they seeing no. more patient? Is it more taxing on them? Talk about what their experience yeah. is. They are about the happiest I think I've ever seen them. And I don't even have them well out and above market rate uh, in terms of hourly. They, they've settled in at a spot where we feel like we're, we're paying it forward with them on their hourly rate. Uh, you know, Denver has been a pretty rapid uh, yep. growth market in terms of, of acceleration on, on, uh, on, on salaries, uh, just not unlike anywhere else, but, uh, 
we're right at market rate, I think with, with them and uh, they're super happy. They're both uh, pretty flexible folks and they actually like their time off. Uh, and so we've adapted a schedule where uh, when we get a pretty uh, a big bomb all of a sudden in the day, uh, they'll alternate and condense schedules and leave early, uh, because they have other interests outside of the practice. Uh, and, and it gives them the latitude for that type of a life work balance. Fantastic. So what would you say now to, again, that the person listening in who may not be watching it and that's perfectly fine. They're listening in and they're saying, how can I do this? I, 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 hygiene is, is 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 difficult, and you know, I, we are full. How how can I do this? How can I grab, get my head around this? Besides the numbers, the proofs and the numbers, but what would some of your words be to allay a person's fears about that dark tunnel? Sure, I think you have to stop and really discover the why for yourself. Uh, you have to say, okay why would I want to drop these contracts in the first place? And I think that's fairly self-explanatory in this day and age. I think it's kind of a universal message at this point. Uh, people are practicing are just flat out losing money uh, in the, in the, on a daily basis, uh, staying directly contracted with most of these plans. So that's number one. Number two would be, uh, are, are you experiencing any major attrition in your team? Is there burnout, stress, and overload that's starting to take shape in your practice where you're feeling it? Because I can assure you, if you're feeling burnt out, the rest of your team is really burnt out as well because you're working them uh, doubly hard uh, when you're trying to see basically 4x the number of patients in order to make up the 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 write-off or the haircut as we like to call it uh in in that department and so then you stop and look and say okay how many exams are you doing in a month as a practitioner and if you're exceeding some pretty well-known numbers or standard uh healthy numbers in a month chances are pretty good the quality or the the attention to detail is starting to potentially become it in question. I won't say it's at risk or it's already gone beyond that. It's just you have to stop and realize that that may be starting to diminish as well. Um, and how long do you expect yourself to practice dentistry? Uh, you know, because this is a marathon of sprints and it's a really grueling, difficult business at times. And at this clip, uh, you're going to burn out even faster. I can assure you at the volume metric approach. It's just a matter of time. Okay. Just a matter of time. I don't need to really add anything to that comment. So uh, if people want to get a hold of you, yes. how can they do that? Uh, any number of ways. Um, certainly out there on in the world of Facebook and Instagram, but uh, certainly a text message to me on my cell phone. I'm happy to uh, receive that. So that's area code 303-906-4788. Um, you can also reach me by email at dr period t c r e e d at gmail.com. And lastly, I'll just say, you know, if you're interested in any further uh, review and you want to jump on a call uh, and, and you want to see kind of what we do uh, ahead of time in the coaching realm, check out dynamicdentalascension.com. And I'll send uh, Dr. Spera a link to that website. And that's my coaching web page 
and that would All be a right, great place to friend. start. You hit it. You you, you hit it. You, you you got it. You got it out of the park. At least well, a triple. You. If people have no idea what's going on, it's at least a triple. Well, you know, in the world of baseball, that's like that's like Hall of Fame territory. If you're hitting, you know, those kind of numbers and and hitting consistently, as you right. know, so uh, and yep. we could do far better in this profession if we all pull together for sure. Well, I think the thing the message also is too is it's not a unicorn. You don't quote quote have to be a unicorn, but you do have to know how to do a couple of simple math equations. And mm-hmm. I, I take it. And, you know, the conversation I had with Dr. Paul Goodman, too, you're still going to have people have insurance as part of the conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not like, oh, we just ignore insurance. No, you have insurance. We understand that. That's going to help you do X, Y, Z. And it may slow down the speed at which you acquire the, the things that we're recommending. And it may ultimately change our treatment plan because it may take longer if we're if you're following that as your as your crutch. That that's the reality of it, but I do think it's it's not a unicorn. It's there and it's it's tangible. But if you do simple math, and I think some folks just have to look, sit back and look at it and say, what is it really? What's the true cost of my services? And then what's my true income for these services? After all is said and done, what's what's that number and how do you combat that with the raising inter- raising cost of supplies, raising cost of of uh, labor, labor, labor. Big, big one is labor, and also the uh, you know your your rent or whatever those other factors you want to group them into your hard fixed costs. You know it's mm-hmm. not cheaper to buy a dental chair, it's not cheaper to buy equipment. You know those haven't quote plummeted in price. So mm-hmm. and if you are practicing, you're going to have to have some things to do it you're going to need cbct you're going to need certain things and those those are not really cheap they they, they come with the cost and you know you get to a point where don't compromise that's exactly right and i think what you you know hit on here just a minute ago is really understanding how a dollar flows through your practice from start to finish and to see what happens to it along the way is mm-hmm. is a huge exercise that of course is never able to be taught prior to actually being in the business it's just not really practical to to do so ahead of time in the educational process and that's that's just the way it is and so um having a um i think the fellowship of folks that have experienced it before like what you guys are have created here in this uh arena is is huge because there, there. It, it, it isn't a unicorn process. It's, it's really pretty simple and straightforward as long as your mindset as the practice owner has been well established up front, and that's generally where we start. We got to get in the head of the practice owner first. Could and not believe. I could not agree more. I, I, I think that's the common denominator to every discussion I've ever had with anybody. Is their mindset is set. The burn the boats mentality. We're not going back. This is and, and and it comes from when you say and you understand it's best for the patient. It is versus it's it best really for my pocketbook. If it's best for your pocketbook, that's going to ring hollow, and that's going to be a yeah. very hard time sleeping because you're mm-hmm. well, just, now you're greedy. Now you're this. No, this is better for the patient. 
That's right. Then, I think, then, then your conversation flows. That's right. right. Why did you get into that. dentistry in the first place? You know, why, right. why did you choose dentistry as a profession? Right. Uh, if it's for the pocketbook, well, um, we, again, it's, it's a great way to make a living. Don't get right. me wrong. I, I, I'm privileged to be a part of this profession. It's a pretty unique set of skills that we all have that we take to the marketplace every day. Yeah. But, um, but you know, if you can't, I don't like the idea of restricting access to our schedule uh, because of an insurance contract that maybe that person really didn't have any say in in the first place. Yeah. I don't find that to be uh, natural. Uh, it's not you know, it just doesn't feel right, but it's a business at the end of the day. And you have to think of ways creatively to sustain its viability so that, uh, it can thrive. Uh, and therefore, uh, be insurance friendly and, and figure out what that means to you. In the words of Dr. Paul Goodman, we don't want insurance to have a seat at the table when it comes to discussing your needs. That's right. I love that. That's beautiful. It's just short and sweet. And that will take some practice to roll off of your tongue as well, because that is a very profound statement. And I totally 100% agree with it. And that's at the core of our philosophy and, and the practice as well. Makes it easier. Well, thanks again, Tom. You I bet. appreciate you on a Memorial Day and to all our veterans, yeah. all people who've sacrificed so much so that we could be here doing this. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you as well. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.